This is the Retirement Detective Podcast, where we dive into cases with Philip Mock, chartered financial analyst and certified financial planner professional, to solve common retirement and financial planning questions. Get insight into how to solve quandaries that appear on the path to and through retirement, ideas on how to approach savings and investing for retirement, and how to plan for retirement in a tax-efficient manner. Now, here's your host and lead retirement detective, Philip Mock. Hi, everyone. It's Philip Mock with the Retirement Detective Podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to investigate with you some ways that you could potentially save money on your mutual fund expenses through a process called a share class exchange. We will dive into this in today's episode. First of all, if you haven't had the opportunity to check out our website, I encourage you to do that. It is www.retirementdetective.com. Please sign up for the newsletter. It's not spammy. I send out something about every 30 to 60 days, so it's it's very low-key. You also have the opportunity to reach out to me if you have episode ideas or questions. I'd be happy to answer those as well. For today's episode, we're going to talk about share class exchanges. But before we can talk about share class exchanges, I'd like to walk through a little bit of operational understanding of mutual funds so that the share class part will make more sense. Now, as we've talked about in prior episodes, a fund, a mutual fund, has different share classes. So an open-ended fund, which means that the fund uh, only trades at one price for the whole day, the price is set at the end of the day, it's the net asset value of the fund. This is different than a closed-end fund or exchange-traded fund that trades throughout the day like a stock and the price changes you know, every second or millisecond uh, and it's traded in the open market. An open-ended fund has one price for the whole day and you're actually redeeming and purchasing shares directly from the mutual fund company. An open-ended fund also typically has a ticker symbol that's five letters and ends in X, and that's another way you can tell if you have a open-ended mutual fund or not. Open-ended mutual funds typically have different share classes. As we've talked about before, there are some common ones. There's the A class, the B class, the C class, and usually something called uh, an investor or institutional class. Now, the different share classes basically mean differing levels of fees, but the underlying expenses of the fund are pretty much uniform across the share class because the people working in the fund or on the fund don't really treat one share class different or another. It's a different, it's, it's one pool of money for, for varying levels of expenses to get access to it. Today, we're not going to dive into all of the various share classes that are out there because some fund companies have, I mean, a lot. I picked one here. I'm not going to share with you what it is, but this particular fund has 21 different share classes. So there's 21 different tickers that's basically buying the same pool of assets, and each one of these has a different fee structure. Talk about confusing. 
So I'm just going to talk about some of the general basic ones. We're going to talk today about the A shares, B shares, and then institutional shares. So A shares are typically sold by a broker and they have a front end load, which means there's a commission paid to the broker upon purchase. And then sometimes there's also a deferred sales charge, which means a fee paid at the time of sale. That's usually only if you sell it really fast. And then there's something called a 12B1 fee, and that's gonna be important. We'll come back to that. A B share class fund is kind of like the A fund, but it only has the, what they call the back end load or the deferred sales charge, which is uh, a fee at the time of sale. So there'd be no fee at the time of purchase, but this particular one would have a fee at the time of sale. And then a C share is sometimes has a deferred sales charge, but typically just has a uh, distribution and ongoing fee, uh, but no commission. And then the investor and institutional funds don't have any commission and don't have the ongoing distribution fee or service fee, sometimes called the 12B1 fee, and they just have the management fees. And usually the difference between investor and institutional is in, institutional typically has a little higher entry point in terms of amount. So investor, you might have to have, uh, for this particular fund, it says $10,000 to invest in the investor level. And it says you must have $1 million to invest in the institutional level. So why does all of this matter? Well, what happens sometimes is that you may have had a broker in the past Let's say that you purchased a fund from a broker 20 years ago, and it's an A share. They received a commission upon purchase, and then they've been holding it ever since, and it's been growing, and that's great. Uh, but what you may find is that now you are not working with that broker anymore. Perhaps you've transferred it to a brokerage account for you to manage it yourself, or maybe you're working with an investment advisor, a fiduciary advisor, that doesn't use A shares or B shares or C shares that have commissions and revenue sharing. And you say to yourself, if it's a taxable account, you'd say, well, I have really big gains in this fund because I've owned it for 20 years. I really don't want to sell it. So is there anything that I can do about that? Well, there is. So one thing you can do about that potentially is something called a share class exchange, which is where you go to the fund company or to the brokerage where you currently hold your assets and say, I have this A share fund or B or C share fund with relatively high expenses, but I don't want to sell the fund because if I did, I'd incur really large capital gains because I've owned this fund for a really long time. So you say, would you be willing to exchange my shares of this expensive share class fund for one of the less expensive ones like the investor or institutional class? Now, depending on the circumstances, they may or may not permit you to do this. But if they do and it's executed correctly, you can make this exchange generally tax-free. Now, to be clear, not Every time is it tax-free, and I'm going to talk about a few of the trigger points that may or may not make it 
taxable. So let's talk some numbers. So let's say that you have a mutual fund with a large gain in it. We're going to say for today's purposes, a $500,000 gain in one fund and you own the A share. So I'm looking at my example fund here at the, the prospectus, which is the definitive document to learn about any fund. And I've turned to the fee schedule page and it says that this particular A share fund, now not all have this exact fee schedule, but this particular one had a 5.75% sales charge on purchases. So in our example, in this fund I purchased, the broker was paid as much as 5.75% of my purchase amount in a form of a commission. Additionally, this fund has ongoing expenses. For this fund, it is management fees of 0.26% or 26 basis points, a 12B1 fee, which is a type of service, uh, sometimes it's called a distribution fee, sometimes it's called service fee, sometimes it's called a marketing fee. But basically, it's sort of a revenue trail that goes back to the broker on an ongoing basis. So for this fund, that is 0.24% or 24 basis points. And then this fund says it has, quote, other expenses of 0.10% or 10 basis points for a total annual operating expense of 0.6. Now, if I was able to do a share class exchange, then I could look at this schedule and let's pretend that I qualify for the institutional class. And for this particular fund, the institutional class has the following expense structure, no commission. So if we had bought this class the first time around, there wouldn't have been a commission, but it does still have ongoing expenses. It has management fees of 0.26% or 26 basis points. Now guess what? That's the exact same amount as in the A share because across all share classes, the management fees are the same. The fund's operating fees are the same across all share classes. Their salaries don't change because of share classes. Their electric bill doesn't change because of share classes. Management fees are the same. The institutional class of this fund does not have any 12B1 fee. So there's no trail going back to an advisor or broker. It has other expenses of 0.04% or four basis points, which means the total annual operating expenses are 0.30% or 30 basis points. And remember in our A class, we had 26 basis points of management fees, 24 basis points of 12B1 fees, 10 basis points of other expenses, and 60 basis points therefore in total. So the A share is 60 basis points of ongoing fees or 0.6% and the institutional is 0.3% ongoing or 30 basis points. Now let's pretend that, as I mentioned, we had a pretty substantial gain in our fund. Let's say it has a current value of $750,000. And by making this change, the share class exchange, I'm going to reduce my ongoing expenses inside the fund from 0.6% to 0.3%, which is a difference of 0.3%. Dollar-wise, that's $2,250 per year that will show up not as dollars in my account, but in 
improved returns because the the way that these are priced, these fees basically come out of the share price. So in doing this share class exchange, assuming you don't work with a broker anymore, you can effectively make a transition from a higher expense class of a fund to a lower expense class of a fund. There are a few catches or gotchas that you have to be aware of. First of all, if you try to do this yourself, I really encourage you to call the fund company and your brokerage and make sure they know how to do this and that they can educate you on all of the different um, nuances for that particular fund to do a share class exchange. Usually also, not always, but usually also it's an all or nothing proposition. You have to transition all of your shares in that fund from one class to the other. Also, you have to make sure that the destination fund that you want to transfer to is actually the same fund. And you, this is one where you really have to be careful. And I, I'm not going to name any fund companies, but two funds can have very similar names and actually be different funds and therefore not eligible for share class exchange. And then another one to watch out for is you may look at the prospectus and identify a share class that looks cheaper, but you might have to check to see if you meet the minimums because even though you may want to move your shares into that fund, you still have to meet the criteria to own the fund. And lastly, and really importantly, your fund company and or brokerage will need to execute this transition in one evening, one day. If it takes over one day, it's most likely no longer tax-free. When you do a share class exchange and assuming it's done in a fashion that is tax-free, you still will get evidence of this on your 1099, but it should have a note on it that this was a tax-free share class exchange. Now, the reason it's usually tax-free is because you're really not buying or selling anything. You're still owning the same pool of assets with the same basis. All you've changed is the fee structure wrapper. Now, the most important thing I'm going to tell you today is this. If you yourself go in and trade the fund, sell the large expense class, and then click purchase next to the lower class one in the same day, that is not a share class exchange. That is a trade, and you will have tax implications from that. A share class exchange is something that's conducted by the operations group of either the fund company or the brokerage or both. It's something you call and request. You may fill out a form online. You may fill out a paper form, and then they execute it for you. Again, it's really important that you check on this strategy with the fund company, with your brokerage, and with your CPA to make sure you check all of the boxes appropriately to make this be a tax-free event. But if you find yourself with an old fund that you've had a long time that has really high gains, but it's in an old share class that's maybe kind of expensive, this is a great way to potentially move that holding from an expensive share class to a cheaper share class without necessarily having to incur a lot of taxes to do so. But it does have to be executed carefully in order to make it tax-free, and you have to be very careful that your destination fund 
is truly the same asset. It only works if it's truly the same fund, the same asset, the same pool of assets, which is why you need help from your CPA, from the brokerage company, and from the fund company to make sure everybody's on the same page on what you're trying to do so that there are no errors. That's all for today's episode. I hope you found this to be helpful. And if you happen to be in this boat, I encourage you to talk to your CPA to see if it might be a good fit for you to try to do a share class exchange. We'll see you next week. This recording strictly is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of the Retirement Detective Podcast. The Retirement Detective Podcast is not affiliated with any guest or his or her business affiliates unless otherwise stated. The Retirement Detective Podcast does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. The Retirement Detective Podcast shall not be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the information, data analysis, or opinions or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investments are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal. Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decisions. This podcast is not a solicitation to purchase or sell securities or a solicitation for advisory services. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services, and nothing in this podcast should be relied upon as rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services. Philip Mock is not a detective or law enforcement officer, and any reference to such is for entertainment purposes only.